Welcome to Red and Yellow, the podcast about all things to do with refereeing at grassroots level, looking at the laws of football, speaking to guests and trying to help you become a better referee with Adam Humphreys and me, Ed Connell. Hello, loyal listeners. It's Adam here. And I just wanted to get in early on this episode of Red or Yellow to remind you to please, please, please send in your questions about refereeing or anything you feel like you might need help with in terms of your game. That's why the podcast is here, to help you improve, to be a better referee. Yes, we're going through the laws of the game as well, but we really, really enjoy getting questions from our listeners and being able to follow up on those to hopefully give you some insights with all of our experience and help. Added to that, if you are a very fit listener, then please don't forget to follow us on all of the social medias. It's at Red or Yellow Pod, as well as like and subscribe in your podcast feed. Thanks so much for being here. Let's get on with the show. Uh, one second, Ed. I'm just finishing putting on my makeup. Who's the lady just went off the screen with the hairbrush in her hands? <laughs> That's my hair and makeup artist. Is that okay? <laughs> oh, I see. And also, hold on. Since, since we started doing the um, TikToks, you started to sort of dress like a referee for our podcast. Does that to like make you look the professional one and me to look sort of amateurish? Not at all. Uh, I'm wearing this because if people are listening to this like a few weeks later from the date of recording... I'm wearing this because it's the only kind of football England shirt I wear, or I have, mm-hmm. and we just finished watching England versus France. Yeah, we did. Disappointing, yeah. actually, I thought. Um, I thought we were probably just about the better side, definitely the yeah. better side of the second half. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel that we've gone out to a team that um, weren't that great, which is kind of disappointing. I also feel that the World Cup was there for the taking this year with yeah. the path um, to the final. Um, but anyway, you know. Hey, Such is life. Yeah. Such is you know, life. We've had, we've had an interesting um, 24 hours in terms of World Cup and records and statistics because I think there's been two or three records made in the last 24 hours. Really? Um, the, yeah. The first of which was we spoke at an earlier episode about, was it the Battle of Nuremberg that I told you to Google for the it most was. number of yellow cards? Oh, was it Nuremberg? It might in have been, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember In a World that. Cup game. Well, that got well, surpassed. That, well, it got broken last night. It got obliterated <laughs> last night, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, it, it got beaten. I think the record last time was 16 yellows. I think last night was 17 and a red. Is that right? Was, there a, like that. was there a red? I don't think there was a red last night. Yeah, there's a red after the, after the final whistle. Oh, was there? Apparently, yeah. So, cool. uh, so that record got broken last night. What other record got broken today, Adam? Harry Kane is now the second highest England scorer. No, and even oh, if he it were that's a fact. No, he, he's level now with um, with Rooney, but that wouldn't no, have been I a record th- broken. I thought he, I thought he went, he surpassed him. Okay, fine. No, um, no. All right, he would have done if he'd scored that penalty. Is it? Is it the bar. fact that we've now got an African team in the semi final? Correct, first yes. African team. To make the last four of a World Cup with so, an African manager. Another record. Yeah, That's good. Very That's good. Yes. Um, Talking about attire, is there, are those rainbow yeah. laces I can see coming out of your hoodie? It's it, it's it's a very pro diversity uh, jumper. The message is love <laughs> is universal, which it is, which it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very. Um, 
very on on trend. Um, see, yeah. see, I might look like a referee and look professional, but at least you're woke. No, that's true. <laughs> at least one of us is. Um, I thought there was another record, but maybe it was it, maybe it was Kane getting his. Um, yeah, it was Kane equaling the uh, goals of Rooney. So yeah, not a record broken yet. If it, if he hadn't hoofed that penalty over the bar, um, he would have. He he'd broken the record and would still be playing football. But there we go. What's what's Such your view mind. on that? What's your view on that though? Because the whole time it happened, I said to you, you never score two penalties in a game back to back. Like you 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 should almost definitely select a different takeout if you get a second penalty in a game. Is my gut instinct on it? I don't agree with that, but I do think that if you're taking a penalty, Sorry, you've wait, got wait. to if you're hit, English, hit the target. If you're English, I think we should never let a guy take a penalty twice. No, I, I, I don't subscribe to that at all. But I do right. think the golden the golden rule of penalty taking is you have to hit the target. That, yeah. That's the golden rule. And but if that's, the keeper saves but it, that's why he then... didn't hit the target. My point is the reason he didn't hit the target. No, he, he was just trying to... Go the same side. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was trying to put it down the middle in the roof of the net because he knew Lloris would go to the bottom. And that's why he's put it over. He was trying to hit the middle, like basically where Lloris's head was. And that's why he's hoofed it over. Because he knew if he went for the side, Lloris would have got it. I promise you. Listen, it was a bad pen. I don't have a problem about Kane taking it. Um, I think there's a lot of psychology going on when you scored one. You're taking the penalty against the keeper of the team you play for in the Premier League. Uh, I think there's a whole, one of your best and, friends. And, yeah, and there's like minutes left in the game. Yeah, I mean that's immense pressure. But ultimately, the gold rule of penalty taking is you have to hit the target. You've got to make also, the save it. Also, why was Beckham not a name substitute for that last uh, free kick? Beckham, why? What yeah. was he doing? Well, he was in the stands. He was in the stands. Why didn't yeah. we just get him on to take that free kick? Because his pockets were laden down with too much cash to get... Allo Grease. Allo Grease. When was that? Was that 2001? That Grease free kick? <laughs> when he... When he, that's he when had he to score for us to last, qualify. Yeah. Yeah. All, good, score, yeah, exactly. all the bloody good it did us to qualify. Anyway. Anyway, there we go. Um, yeah, right. What's on the agenda for today, Mr. Connell? Well... Uh, I don't think there's much news to talk about. Um, we've got a, one or two questions from the post bag, and then we've got Law 8, which I think we're on Law 8, aren't we, this week? Law we? 8 I don't know, I've not read short. it. <laughs> well, that comes no surprise to anybody. Um, <laughs> law 8 is short. Uh, right. Law 9 is possibly even shorter. Right. Um, so we've got to deal with that. And then cool. we've got some fun facts. Which we? about the start of, and restart of play? No, oh. because there, there is a limit as to how much I can find facts that relate to the law, and I think we pretty much exhausted those. But I have got, I thought it'd be a bit interactive for listeners because it's the World Cup, and so it I've is. got some facts and figures from the World Cup, awesome. which will involve a bit, of, a bit of guessing for you and for the oh, listeners to try great. and you know, can I, can I also so, say, in the last week as well, we've uh, released our Instagram account. Yeah. Well, Haven't we, have. we? And we've got 10 followers. <laughs> we've nearly got um, a football team of followers, and two of them are us. <laughs> I think you're overlooking the fact, though, that our TikTok account has gone pretty crazy. It's doing very um, well. What we're we getting on? lots and lots of years on 
TikToks, not so much followers, really? but the views of our videos have been yeah. ridiculous. And then the um again, I keep saying this every week about Facebook, Facebook. a bit outdated, but the we're getting thousands of people coming to our page on Don't Facebook. Don't we have like three point three thousand people see our last yeah, video or something? That's yeah, great. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. I'm not quite sure where they're all coming from, but um they're very welcome. But yeah, please so it's join it. Just make sure you listen to it as well. Yes, that'd be good. That'd be good. <laughs> um, any news with you? Uh, fitness training's going okay. Okay, good. Yeah, I saw you posted a um, something on Instagram about your training, as you said last week when we were speaking about your training for your fitness test, and you did a sort of mm. little video about that. And yeah, um, t- which has tomorrow- been fun. it's been hard, but it's been fun. Um, I uh, um, oh no, go on. All right, I was just going to say like. I I started doing it like a straight line beep test and was losing far too much time trying to turn 180 and was getting behind, was getting very frustrated. So then I was in Canberra last week doing my show, as you know, and I did a, yeah. a practice fitness test, I think after we spoke. And, yeah, you um, did, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that was much better because I was running properly. Um, yeah, and I'm swimming as well to keep that cardio up when it's too hot to go outside and run. I'm hoping to get a run in today. Yeah, but no, I'm feeling quite good about it. Just need to keep confident. Also, good news is in all of my practice runs, I haven't um, soiled myself. <laughs> Silver linings and all that. So that's good news. Um, I'm refereeing tomorrow for the oh, first time. Oh, we must get ages. video footage. We must get video footage. And I got a message from the guy that organises the referees for the club mm. who tells me that they got so many people wanting to play tomorrow that they want to play longer than 45 minutes. Oh, good so luck. obviously I'm delighted about that, having not refed in, well, since I broke my collarbone, which is why don't three more, four months. Why don't ago. you make them do like, I mean, I know this isn't in the laws of the game, it's kind of the antithesis to our podcast, but why don't you just suggest doing like, a two-hour game of half an hour quarters with 15-minute breaks in between each quarter. Um, yeah, not a bad idea, although it still involves me theoretically running around for two hours, Adam. No, it doesn't, Ed. It theoretically involves you standing in the centre circle for two hours. <laughs> Actually, I do have some news for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know how much you enjoy holidaying to Australia? Yes. And you know it's my wedding next year? I do. Well, no pressure, but if you are able to come to my wedding, then I might also be able to get us both on a game, you assisting me, and we can be hooked up and we can record it for the podcast and we can, uh, you can tell everyone what it's like having running the line to me. And um, sadly, it won't be a top level game. It would have to be like a, what we call a Metro sort of four or five potentially. But I had a chat with uh with a good friend of mine who's in charge of referee in here, and she said, "I think we might be able to make it work." So that would be exciting. Can I just can I just ask a very simple question though? Yeah. Why are you getting married in the winter? Um, because honestly, because of the school holidays in England. Okay, is that okay? So people can get time. Well, off, it's just you know, I see, during yeah, the okay. summer, so they can yeah. travel to Australia. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Right, I'm glad you. I'm glad, I'm glad you agree with my justification. Sunny and warm. It's Australia. Than... It's always sunny and warm. <laughs> Not always sunny and warm, but um, <laughs> I've just spent the last year looking at my friend's 
posting videos from Sydney and the floods and oh yeah terrible that's, yeah that's just that's just living in Australia yeah but no I'm sure I mean it's it's often fine so it'll be okay yeah <laughs> um no the football news with you then no no just getting ready for the fitness test yeah okay sorry to so should we look oh oh no there is there is oh. you know a few weeks ago I said to you that my I was live on TV doing a final the other week. Do you remember that? Yeah. On yeah. SBS On Demand. Well, I finally found yeah. the game on SBS and watched a bit of it. Yeah. And? Uh, I didn't watch enough of it to be able to pass comment on my performance because it's a really drab game and the commentary on it is but, frustrating, but the nice thing, you, to say you, the least. You, you'll put the link on our social media platforms on you so we can all well, form I, our own views. I don't know if SBS On Demand is available <laughs> outside of australia so oh, maybe that, maybe I'll, right? I'll send you the link you can test it and if so we can let everybody analyze my performance <laughs> i don't mind i'm happy with that like because a lot you? of our games yeah a lot of our games get um well i'm not being funny i'm sat here trying to advise people um and the best way to or we're sat here trying to advise people the best way to advise people would be to share our experiences i'm i'm open for open discussion about what i do and how i do it absolutely good well, I look forward to you posting the link so that we can uh, assess you generally. <laughs> Wait, I never said assess. <laughs> no, no. Observe. No, we, we'll assess. So, um, right. Rule number... Lord, Wait, aren't we doing the postbag first? Okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah. What, what was the question you picked out we're going to do this uh, week? Let me just quickly find it because I sent it to you. I think it was along the lines of... Ah, where is it? Here we go. Oh, here we go. Um, hello uh, to Adam and Ed. Uh, I just wanted to get your advice on this as I'm a training referee and I've got my first match on Sunday. I'm really nervous. Any advice to help me before and during the match? Take it away, Edward. Oh, crikey. Um, that's a toughie, actually. Um, it is, isn't it? I can't, I mean, do you think that when you referee your first ever game, um, do you, if you can remember when you refereed your first ever game, were you quite sort of vocal or were you sort of quite passive when you did the your first game? Do you remember? Oh, very um, I think I was probably quite passive. I think I was quite, I was almost trying not to draw attention to myself. Yeah, I think I was as well. Which is which is a like, rare situation for me because, as you know, I'm a narcissist. And you're also, you're also quite sort of loud on the pitch as well. Yeah. I mean, I I think that when I first started refereeing, I thought that the less I did, the more anonymous I was, the better referee I was. I'm not entirely sure that was right. No. Um, but I think that when you start off, you're sort of. I know you're quite anxious, aren't you? And I think you're kind of like trying to keep a low profile. And I do, <clears> I do think it takes you some time to find your feet in refereeing. Um, oh, yeah, totally. I mean, what, what would your tips be then for sort of someone refereeing their first ever game? Um, well, first thing is, is you're going to be extremely overwhelmed, like extremely yeah. overwhelmed. And understanding that is critical because you need to appreciate that's a normal feeling. Like I still feel overwhelmed when I step onto the pitch sometimes. And um, and so just being aware of that can really help guard you against getting overwhelmed, just being like, that feeling's there, that's fine, I acknowledge it. 
let's just breathe through it and and let's just focus on on the next like literally the first minute second minute third minute and just break the that game down like that i think um the most important lesson for a first time referee would be to use it like understand it's a learning experience it's yeah. not a performance it's not a it's not it's not a match for you it's not a game where you have to do anything in particular it, you're just there to learn what refereeing real football is like and your first 100 games will be like that like it's you're just there to learn i also think um i think one of the most important aspects of being a new referee as well um is being open and honest with everyone about your status not like also managing expectation of the players and the coaches and stuff of of like I'm here to learn. I'm doing my best, but I don't know everything. I can't guarantee I'm going to get everything right. I mean, maybe don't say to them, I can't guarantee I'm going to get everything right, but just be like, I don't know. So let's just, this seems logical to me. So let's go with this as a solution to whatever problem is in front of me. And then, you know, you can go away, think on it, analyze it and move on from there. Um, I think just, I mean, I still do that, to be honest. Like when I don't know what's happened or I'm not sure what, what, the frick to do i'll just grab the ball and i'll be like look i see it like this you see it like this let's just start here and away we go and players are fine and the more you the more you say to players i don't know actually the more on side with you they become sometimes you know there's obviously points where you have to be strong and determined and have you know a uh, a logical thought as to a reason that you're getting to but sometimes you don't know and they don't know. Often you're going to know more than the players. So if you don't know, they've got no leg to stand on thinking they know. And so you just you just do that. And I think um, just collaborate. Just look at it as a yeah. collaboration. It's a match for everyone. It's your match. It's their match. It's the coach's match. So look at it as a collaboration. Don't create a barrier. Don't create, I'm the referee, you're the players. Like literally be there with the players. Try and play football almost with the players. Tell them where to run. Tell them what to do. Tell them who you are. Tell them what's going on, tell them if they're playing well, tell them if, you know, they were unlucky with that pass, like communicate with them in that way, almost commentate the game, I think. And that builds a lot of bridges as well. So look at it as like a complete collaboration. I, I think that's quite tough though, because I think that that whole collaboration and communication is definitely a skill I didn't have when I started refereeing. And it's definitely a skill that I developed from watching other people who are much more senior than me. And I wonder if you didn't have that skill. I wonder if you didn't have that skill because um, you no one said that to you because you wasn't aware that was a thing referees do. Yeah, no, maybe. I mean, I think my my two tips I think would be first of all, like right, don't be overwhelmed by it all. You know, I think you know keep calm um, because you know if you're if you're anxious and you're particularly nervous. I think you sometimes get decisions wrong. I would I would sort of take a deep breath um, and really try and sort of enjoy it if you can. I think the second thing I'd say is, is that I think that positioning is really important because um, if you are close to the play um, and you give a decision, it's much easier for players to understand it. But if your positioning is bad and you're giving decisions from you know, distance away, whatever, it's tougher. And so 
you know, don't go mad because I, I remember when I first had refereeing, you're sort of, I felt like I was chasing the ball for 90 minutes and it was like, you know, almost killed myself because I wanted to be on top of the play. You, you obviously don't need to do that, but I do think that you kind of like need to make that extra effort to get yourself close to, you know, what's happening. Um, and I think then it's much, it's much easier for your decisions to be accepted by people. But yeah, I just don't, don't be overwhelmed because... It's 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 tough. It is tough, and it's going to take you a while to learn to be a, a better referee. Um, yeah, I think that'd be my two my two tips. And also, I think smile, even when it's going bad, just smile. Just keep smiling. Just smile. Yeah, your I agree. Way it. It's amazing how far a smile goes with everybody. It really is. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're you're going to be going out tomorrow, probably in freezing or sub-zero temperatures. Oh. Um, and so don't miss, yeah. I don't miss that, I tell you. I really don't miss Should that. Try and enjoy <laughs> it. No, I, I must admit, I was asking you about what, what the uh, surface was tomorrow, kind of hoping possibly that it was gonna be on grass, the match might be called off because the forecast was <laughs> minus four, Astro. minus five. But it's on Astro, so that's not happening. I'll tell you um, what, so Edward, be- if we don't get some pictures on our Instagram account of you refereeing, then I'm gonna question <laughs> your commitment to this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get there to get some pictures um, yeah. of tomorrow's events. Well, yeah. you know everyone, do don't I, you? I'll I'll do my sure best. You could be like, I, you know, I, I do. do a podcast. And maybe you need to create little flyers advertising the podcast to anyone who gets a yellow card. <laughs> I was telling my colleagues at work about the podcast last night. They didn't know about it for some reason. How dare um, they? But I was, I was telling the the footballing fans amongst them about it. Um, not sure that they're going to listen because it is sort of refere- it is refereeing focused. But um, mm. Anyway, picking up, picking up um, on your point, picking up on your point about being too close to play, positioning, etc., yeah. etc. Do we need to talk about um, today's game? Yeah, because you raised an interesting point. We were, we were sort of WhatsApping whilst we were watching the game, um, and at one point you sort of sent me a message saying there was a, a decision that, that I think we both agreed that the referee had kind of missed something, and you sort of raised the question. Do you think it was a question of him being too close to the play? Um, I don't know. Do, do you think you can be too close to to something? You definitely can. I know. I know this to be true mainly through being an assistant. When it's right in front of you as an assistant, and it's like on your toes, it is impossible mm. to know what that decision is. Sometimes, like it's really difficult. Like the the, the distance I always try to have is between probably. 10 and 30 yards for a decision. I, I never, I don't want to be much closer than that because the closer to it you get, like for a decision, I'm not saying play. I don't mind play being close to me, but if I have to make a decision, um, I you, sometimes you just need that distance to, to be able to see the full picture. You can, you can just be too in close to it. And I think it was like, I think it was, it was a foul on Saka, wasn't it? On the edge of the area. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and he was right there and he pointed at the ball as he went past. And it was like a player sandwich. And though, you know, because he was in front of play and he saw, he was so close, he saw the front French player come away with the ball. He only saw that. He didn't see what happened behind the guy. Whereas if he'd have had distance, he'd have had an angle and he would probably have seen the trip from behind in a much better way. And, and you can, you can get drawn in too close to the ball, in too close to players. And, and that's why you can miss those little things, which is a shame. I mean, 
when when I watch these matches and see how referees are scrutinised, I I still find myself asking the question, you know, what sort of individual wants to do this as you know a profession? I mean, it's yeah. just so difficult, you know, and and they're they're making mistakes, and by that I don't, you know, by by reference to having watched sort of replays and watching VAR, you know, the, these are the best people in the world refereeing, and they and they're missing things and. You know, I suppose that just tells you that the the job of the grassroots referee is such a difficult one. And I kind of hope that when people go out and play on a Sunday or whatever in their local league games, that they just kind of remember that even even the best people don't get it right all the time. So how can they possibly expect, you know, your your, your sort of 18-year-old level seven ref who's sort of only got sort of 10 games under his belt to get everything right, it's just unrealistic. It really is. I mean, the the most the, the 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 one that I always think about when this comes up as a as a topic is Howard Webb in the World Cup final. I think it was two thousand and two, maybe, when Nigel De Jong like literally drop kicked a French player in the chest, and um, that couldn't have been two thousand and two, uh, but there was like no. a there was like a drop kick, and um, and I mean it was bad it was really bad and yeah. he completely missed it um yeah completely missed it and and you know it took him like 30 seconds to recover he said on the radio like what did i miss and the assistant said to him or the fourth he said to him you missed a, a clear excessive force red card in the middle of the the field drop kick he went okay no worries and just carried on and like you know he's widely regarded as probably the second best mm. referee of all time and um and you know, like it happens, it happens, and that was a World Cup final. Um, what what more can we do? Like looking on Facebook, the amount of England fans, even in refereeing communities that I'm in now, like just criticizing the guy today so much, and the guy from who set the new the the, the new record yeah, for the yellow cards. So I, I I'm a bit disappointed because obviously I sent you a few clips. Or I think I sort of posted you some Twitter clips where some players were being very, very vocal about the referee. Oh, so that Argentinian the, goalkeeper. The Argentinian needs keeper needs to be sanctioned for that. Like, Argentinian keeper comes out and says referee was a disgrace. Um, Messi has come out and said in interviews he that referee should be kicked out of the tournament now. He should be allowed to referee another game. And apparently the, the sanction, I mean, if you can call it sanctions, that there's probably going to be some sort of financial penalty. Yeah. And I just think, what what messages that send out to people that that you know he he's a professional referee, he's refereeing a really difficult game. I think the consensus amongst most of the refereeing people that I've seen on social media is that you know he handled it pretty well. Yeah. I mean, there may be one or two things. I think the red, the Potosball, um handball from Messi is a big issue, but in the main, it was a tough game to referee, and I think the consensus he did pretty well out of it. Well, but when I... you get players coming out and saying they should never be refereeing in this tournament again, and the only sanction is a financial one for which, you know multi multi millionaires, which the well the, the federation joke. the federation paid for it as well. So yeah, the, well, it doesn't affect the know, players it's, at it's all. Ridiculous. No, I completely I completely agree with you. Uh, and with regards to that game, actually, I saw someone say, "Oh, you know, he's clearly lost control of the game." I'm like, "No, no, he clearly hasn't. That's why there's only yellow cards being given out. Like you, you've lost control of a game when there's people trying to break people's legs." 
And that never happened. The majority of no. the cards, I think, as well in that game were for dissent. Um, or were for people just being too gnarly at each other. That's not yeah. like the ref the referee can't stop players being idiots. You just can't. And we all know what the Argentinians are like. They're dogged, they're they're like little Rottweilers, you know, they're always nibbling at you. They're they're that's the way they are. And actually giving them yellow cards for that is is the best way to control it. And it did, because none of them got sent off. And actually, I think that's good work. That's good work by the referee. He must have been extremely proactive in that game. He must have been constantly talking to them, trying to get them to sort it out. I mean, yeah. even in the penalty shootout, there was like he had to give a yellow card to, to three players or two players or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, if you, if you, in a penalty shootout, if players are willing to do that when there's no open play, it's clearly not the referee that's got the problem here. I know that we we don't. I mean, we frequently say we don't sort of call out referees and criticize them, but I mean, it the the, the messy handball should have been a yellow, shouldn't it? I honestly, I, I've only seen a photo of it. I didn't see it in open play, but it certainly looks like his hand is deliberately away from his body. It's not in a natural position, and he's probably batted the ball down. Yeah, it probably should have yeah. been a yellow card. Like, I don't mind saying, I, I, it's not, I don't think I'm criticizing a referee there. Like, I think, you know, objectively, you can say, yeah, and I think the referee himself would probably look back and go, yeah, that should have been a yellow card, such is life. You know, like, like take the England game today. We can all sit there. We can all complain about, you know, certain decisions as an England fan um, in terms of the, the game and that. But at the end of the day, responsibility lies with the players. England had had couldn't have had a better chance to get that right tonight. They couldn't have had a better chance to at least take it one step further to try and win the game. And they've missed the penalty. Now, you know, you can say the referee might have missed this little foul here, that little thing there, this there, that there. And whenever I'm, I'm on a game myself and I'm having these little battles with players, I just turn around and go, dude, you missed the penalty. You didn't even hit the target on a penalty. Like, how can you be looking at me for these little things that are really hard to pick out and these nuances in the game that might be fouls, might not be fouls, that I'm trying to balance everything, a whole occasion, a World Cup quarterfinal or, or you know, a one versus two in the, the Queensland Premier League or whatever. And like, you're looking at me when you can't hit the target from six yards or 12 yards or, mm -hmm. you know, like really, let's just always like, I will go away and analyze myself an awful lot. I think really players at all levels should very much do the same. Yeah, well, I hope people go out tomorrow for their, well, whatever games are being played tomorrow with the freezing temperatures. But mm -hmm. just kind of remember when you go out there tomorrow that it's it's really difficult being a referee. Really and, um Yeah, just maybe give them give them a uh, a break tomorrow. But uh, anyway, there we go. Um, we should really look at the law, Adam. Yes, law eight. Week. The, the law start and eight. restart of play. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's amazing how they've managed to make as much of it as they have in this. I've read section. it. I've but read it, it this week. Have you? No. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Um, it's, it's really short. A so... kickoff starts both halves of a match. I know. That would be, that would be a, a shock to most of our listeners. Who that that's you? the case. And um, it also says that Free kicks, penalty kicks, throw-ins, goal kicks and corner kicks are other forms of restart. 
He lost um, 13 again. to 17, which we will see in we future will weeks. Come to that. Yeah, exactly. And a drop ball is also restarts. Uh, well, again, there's nothing particularly shocking. However, that. on that, can we just say a drop ball is the restart when the referee stops play and the law does not require one of the above restarts, which I know makes sense, but actually could take a bit of pressure off if you know that. If you're like, oh, like I've stopped play just for the sake of stopping play because I needed something's going on that I'm not sure about. Let's just restart with a drop ball. Yeah, and I think uh, the whole drop ball scenario has become a lot more common sensical over recent seasons because, you know, I remember playing football as a kid where, you know, drop balls were basically... Competitive. A, One bounce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> competitive and sort of almost always led to a foul of some sort. Yep. Whereas now, obviously, the, the, the new laws make it much more straightforward and... Um, yeah, but anyway, so that, that, you know, that is you know, with that, I was taught when I first started refereeing, I was taught to one, not tell them when you was about to drop the ball, so don't build up the anticipation, and to not drop the ball from height, to literally just roll it on the floor very delicately, and that really avoids any sort of fouls in that situation. So the next <laughs> part of the exciting part of the start and restart of play. I mean, how, how do they make a page out of kickoff? I know, I mean, it's, it's very impressive, isn't it? It really is impressive because uh, I suppose one one thing we can talk about is obviously when you have the toss of the coin, um, just so everyone understands, the person that guesses correctly um, gets the choice of which end they attack. Um, yep. I think sometimes people think it's you know, who gets the kickoff. Who gets a kickoff? But there's no, there's no advantage to having a kickoff. Um, not that there's any advantage as to which end you're kicking towards, unless there's like sun or well, there is now, isn't there? Because you wind. can you can um, you can score directly from a kickoff, which you never used to be able to. Yeah, but that's not going to change which end you're kicking towards, is it? Really? So, no. um, but yeah, I suppose sometimes it's like uh, the sun's going down and the keepers going to have the sun in their eyes so i guess that probably makes sense as well you get the choice of end yeah. before you get the uh can, the ball. can i also say on there i absolutely hate taking a coin out with me i've, I've never done a coin i just hold my whistles in one hand and get a team to choose oh, do you? yeah like i know it's I'm not i know it's technically in the laws i can't stand it i can't stand having it rattling around i'm constantly worried whether i'm going to lose it or not uh plus i'm not that rich like i can't i don't want to I don't want to. Well, I, I, I've pens. got some sort of commemorative like, coin, yeah, right, which is annoying because it's not even like it's not even like heads or tails. No, it's like it's like red and yellow sides or whatever. Well, no, yeah. it's not even like that. It's it's like um, it's like somebody's head on one side and like three lines on the other or something like that. But um, I don't I, want, I, yeah, I don't mind I'd, doing that. I'd also I also want to say a couple of things on that. One, when it's in when I put whistles behind my hands and I just switch them and ask the captain to choose a hand. Often he'll point to one and say the opposite side. And then what's nice about that is it's a bit of an icebreaker. Like when they get it wrong, you can just joke around. And often I'll just reveal it and go, well, you're wrong, aren't you? Like that or whatever. And they don't care what the solution is there. They don't care what the result is there. And actually, so it's a great way of creating a, a micro interaction that actually calms some nerves, takes some pressure off, like stuff like that. So rather than like the flip of a coin, which is something, and it's also a pattern interruption. So Everyone's used to all referees flipping a coin. 
Whereas when I come out and I'm using my whistles, they're like, oh, this is new. This is different. Okay, cool. Like clearly they're with someone who they've not been with before or something like that. And it just, it just sets a different standard, gives a different example. It puts a different thought in their head about who I am as a referee. You, you love your icebreakers, don't you? You're a big, big fan of the icebreaker. Oh, I think it helps my match control massively. Very good. Well, wait, wait, wait. Little... Ten, you know what one of my old chat lines used to be? Oh, God. Yeah, it's a good one. Ready? <laughs> Ten-ton penguin, just to break the ice. How long were you single for in the end? <laughs> do you want to go? Quite do you a long wanna, time, wasn't it? Do you want to go there, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time. Good Lord. Crikey. Your poor fiancé. Um, anyway, so then we have... Um, so we'll toss the coin. And... Well, there's an obvious point about for when kickoff takes place. I mean, we might as well look at it because we've got nothing else to talk about. Um, <laughs> all players must be in their own half of the field of play. The they opponents must. must be outside the semicircle. The ball must be stationary. The referee must give a signal. The ball's in play when it's kicked and clearly moves. I know that's uh, going to come as a normal shock to wait, people. No, 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 wait, wait. Is that just for the kickoff? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought it was about the penalty kick. We'll get to that in a minute. No. And a goal may be scored directly from a kickoff. And the ball and can now travel a, backwards, can't it? Was it? It used to always have to travel forwards. Yeah, correct. And I never, really, I never really understand this, and perhaps you can cast some light on it. If the ball directly enters the kicker's goal, yep. a corner kick is awarded to the opponents. Yep. Now, just explain to me the scenario in which you have kickoff and the ball ends up in your own goal. Uh, when someone is match-fixing. Really? Is that is that what you that law You weren't expecting that. That's the only logical reason I can think of for that, right? If you think about it, say someone's got money on the game or whatever, they a best opportunity or the team has or whatever, it stops cheating, right? And because the is, I mean, from a kickoff, it's going to be highly unlikely. But the same law exists from a free kick. The same law exists from a um from a goal well from a goal kick certainly, and um and. It's, I, th- I only think it can be to stop match fixing. So the award of a goal doesn't occur. It's it's a corner. Yeah, well, I've, I've never understood those sorts of laws because they just sort of don't make any sense at well, all. I think, like, it, I, I think it kind of, like, really? Do you really want to give away an own goal from a kickoff when something's gone wrong? Like, you know, like, a massive, like, the only thing that could do it is a ridiculous gust of wind and a serious, serious set of circumstances where everything is going wrong. But it's kind of the same reason why you can't score a goal from a directly from a throw-in. It like you, these things just have to be in there just to make make that, it, all, can, it almost forces but, you to play football. But that I can get though because you know you might throw have a throw-in near the goal and it not make contact with anybody and it might go in. That have you ever I had that? Can, have you ever yeah. had that? No, I don't think I've ever had that. I but... had it. In, I had it in a game once and it took me ages to figure it out. Did it actually hit someone or not? I was like, did it? Did it not? It was, it was, it was in Upminster. Upminster Park, Upminster All-Stars versus someone else. And uh, they threw the ball directly into the net. And I was like, and then I gave the goal kick for it to not be a goal. And everyone everyone was like, yeah, we didn't touch it. I was like, thank God for that. Yes, I got yeah, it right. Thank God for that. But they only admitted it after I gave the right decision. They weren't, admit, they weren't helping me make the decision. That's because no one was being sporting, um, which is the norm. 
<laughs> you're going to say something, Ed? <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember what the hell we're talking about. Cat got your tongue. We're talking about throwings. Um, oh, yeah. So that's that's the kickoff. Whether yeah, you can that's, score that's, directly. Let's kick off. And uh, I, I'm somewhat baffled. I mean, something is baffling. Um, if the player taking the kickoff um, touches the, the ball, ball with their hand, it's a handball offence. I mean, yeah. well, obviously it's a handball offence, but how the hell do you take a kickoff that ends up hitting your own hand? I mean... Know. Some of these laws are, I find baffling. I've said to you before that the sometimes they take you know pages to describe things which could be described in a couple of sentences. I just don't think you need to have a section here about what happens if you kick it against your hand from the kickoff. I mean that's covered by the handball. Yeah, because the ball is live once the ball has been yeah so it's nothing, kicked it's and nothing. moves forward, right? Yeah. So is it kicked um, and move? Actually, from a kickoff, it's not kicked and move forward, is it? No, it's not. Kick no, it's off, just, it's kicked. just kicked. Yeah, she's got to kick, be kicked and moved. Um, yeah. And then the, uh, there's an offences and sanctions section, which says that if you handball it or if you touch the ball again before someone else has kicked it, it's a, a, a free kick, indirect and a direct one. Um, and in the event of any other kick or procedure offence, the kickoff is retaken. Well, there we go. That's that section done with. Um, it, hang on, wait. Does it say? Does it say, hang on. Does it, it, oh yeah, no, sorry, carry on. I was looking for the, the part of the law where it was, they must be in their own field of play, their own half of play. Yeah. It we, is there. Yeah. We covered that, yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, so, and then the next, the next part of, um, well, the second and, and final part of, Law number eight is about the drop ball. It is. Um, and, Ooh. well, this is this is uh, obviously fascinating. Um, well, actually, so, it is because it's changed in recent years, hasn't it? No, it has, actually. And, actually, the, the drop ball situation is not quite as straightforward as some people might think. So, um, if the ball is stopped... Sorry, the play is stopped when the ball is in the penalty area uh, or the last touch of the ball is in the penalty area then it is dropped for the defending keeper. So no, no more contested um, in the penalty area. drop balls uh, in the penalty area. Um, in all other cases, the referee drops the ball for one player of the team that last yeah. touched the ball at yeah. the position where it was last touched a player. Yeah. That's very wordy to basically say, just give it back to the team who was in possession. Exactly. And then all other players must be at least four metres or four and a half yards from... Four metres. That's the play. first time it's four metres, isn't it? Because isn't out of throwing it's two metres, but a drop ball's four metres. Is that right? Have I got that right? I don't know. But but all, what it does mean is that you just don't get contested drop balls anymore. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing it's worth knowing about is the ball is dropped... Again, if it touched the player before it touched the ground or leaves the field of play after it touched the ground without touching the player, and it enters the goal without touching at least two players, plays restarted with a goal kick if it enters the opponent's goal or a corner kick if it enters the team's goal. Um, what just wait, just mentioned... on that, just on that, I was right about a throw in. A throw in is two meters, and a drop ball is four meters. Things I didn't know. That's why I'm doing this podcast. And it, it's not mentioned here, but 
the situation is it is it covered elsewhere in the laws about where the ball hits the referee? Yep. Um so it used to be that, play on. Yeah, it used to be play on. Now it's drop ball. Wait, if the if the team that hit it last lose possession, it's it's a drop ball for the team that were last in possession. Is that right? I if, I'm not so I only I only found this out because the ball hit me in a game and I was like, play on, play on. And then my assistants were like. Adam, it's it's not play on anymore. It's you have to do a drop ball to the team that basically kicked it at you. Yeah, so I don't know whether it's it's the case that you have to give a drop ball if the team that had possession keep possession. Okay, I that might not be the law, but my instinct on that would say you don't just give it with you. Because say say the ball hits you and you accidentally kick it on to one of the forwards who then runs on to score a goal and it's the same team who've kept possession, you've basically assisted the goal and that's going to cause all kinds of problems. So if the ball hits you, just stop play, roll it back to a player and just get on with play as quickly as possible again. But why is that scenario not covered in this section? I don't. It must because be covered in another section. It must be, but this would be the obvious section to have it, wouldn't it? Because... That is now the law, but I can't work out why it wouldn't be in the sort of restart of play talking about... I mean, this is, the, this is all about drop balls. So yeah. why is it not in here? I don't know. I, I don't know. This is why, I mean, this is why I, I wanted to do the podcast so I could go back through, like, these little nuances that have changed since I learned yeah, it all yeah. years ago. And then I had yeah. my break and now I came back to it. It's things like that that, you know, have changed and I'm not aware, I wasn't aware of until I was actually out there refereeing live. But it, I kind of like, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I know that is right. That if it yep. hits the referee, it's drop ball. But I'm I'm also now a bit baffled as to why it's not in the section on drop balls. And what um, section would it be in? I don't know. Someone's screaming at us going, it's in this section. As no, well, I'm, I'm we sure will it get to be. it. We will get to it at some it, point. It, it, it's, it is definitely the, the law of the game now, but I just don't know quite where it's come from but um anyway oh this is it well i don't i don't want to spoil next week's podcast adam oh it's in next week's podcast is it the ball in and out of play because i suppose it's determined that the ball is out of play if it hits referee exactly um i would i think it would have been much easier to put that into the drop ball section well just put it in both even in both yep yeah um, exactly. However, at least I now won't lose sleep over worrying about that. Um, no, but um, I think that I was right in my analysis of the law, though. I mean, again, I don't want to trespass on next week's um, 12 <laughs> lines of law. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should say this very interesting debate for next week. Um, but I think it's when when the... Possession changes, you have to give a drop ball. Um, yeah. I, I get why you say it makes sense just for consistency purposes, because it's easier than, isn't it? No, no team's going to get upset about, you know, the deviation of the ball. If every time exactly. it just hits the referee, it's like, just blow up and whatever. I um, think, I just think that's a better consistency. I, I, in law, you're probably right. But then equal to that, there's always, throughout the whole game, we we take the law and we go, actually, safe refereeing has to be the priority here. And that's just not safe refereeing. Like it coming off your shoulder and falling directly into the path of an attacker and it's taking it away from a defender. Like you do not want yeah, to be no, in that I, situation I, as yeah, a referee. No, I agree. I agree. Well, that's that's cut 
out next week's law by half. So, um, <laughs> we'll have to do a, a revisited version. Can, can, can I just appeal at this stage for, for some listeners to send us some questions? <laughs> because next week is um, the shortest of all the laws. The it, it consists of all of them. about 12 lines in total. We've just dealt with about six of them. <laughs> Accidentally, um, so anybody's got any just not only just well, like questions I'll tell you, I'll tell about you what, refereeing, but also just anything. But he wants to, there's lots of football on TV at the moment, there's lots of refereeing stuff going on. Send us in your views and opinions, or you know, and or if you want our views and opinions, then send in your questions, we'll happily talk about them. We've got, um, um, we've got the, for next week, we could talk about that Japan moment. What's the Japan moment? Do you remember? Was the ball in or out of play on that Japan? Oh, ball? yeah. There we go. Well, that, that's ball in play. Well, let's save that gem for <laughs> next week. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll put we'll put that on the Facebook page and maybe sort of put a link on or something um, on the Twitter uh, page as well. But uh, yeah, that that was yeah, that's probably one of the most talked about piece of football of the last. Well, not just probably the last week. That's probably one of the most talked about piece of football for the last. Sort of, Few years, I thought for a long time. It was a big difficult debate. for people to get grips with that. Um, I don't know why. Was the ball in or out of play? Like it's quite straightforward. <laughs> oh, I no, I uh, no, I can I get why it's it's controversial. Um, because you know you look at those images and the ball is in contact with the ground beyond the line of play. That's I think that's difficult for people to get their head around the idea that a ball that's touching the ground outside of the field of play is not out of play but anyway we will talk about that next week as you rightly point out because that allows us to um have something to talk out, about yeah string out law nine for about four minutes rather than two and a half as it we need is. to uh we need to we need to stop putting in previews don't we like this <laughs> this is a preview for next week <laughs> we just got to remember now when we record next week's episode that we are going to talk about that let's um, just let's just hope that something interesting along the lines of the ball in or out of play happens um in the quarterfinals or semifinals, semifinals, doesn't it? That's left now. One anyway. can but hope. Such as so life. I think that's just done on the law for this week, Adam. Uh, um, yeah, that is. You know that means that there is left to deal with now, don't you? I do. Cue jingle. It's now time for Ed's Fun Facts. So, given we're in the midst of the World Cup and given that uh, I mean, I work very hard each week to find fun facts <laughs> that relate to the law. But, you know, when the laws are as basic as this week's one was, <laughs> um, when you Google fun facts about the restart of the game, it'll come as no surprise to you that I found absolutely nothing. Maybe so, you should start th- your own blog, like fun facts of football relating to the laws. Because you're probably, well, yeah. I mean, you're probably the only person in the world who's looking for those. So I thought, because we're in the midst of the World Cup, um, it might be, and, and I know you like to, this section to be interactive, where you get to sort of <laughs> guess terribly at the right answers. I thought that those people who are listening at home uh, would enjoy being able to sort of guess themselves. So okay, doing some fun facts and figures around uh, the World Cup. And so I thought the first question that I would ask you this week Mm. is about the youngest footballers to play in the World Cup. 
Okay. So I've got the top 10 youngest people to play in the World Cup. Oh. And in, well, first of all, of the current top 10, so it's right up to date. So up to this World Cup, including this World Cup. Right. How many of the top 10 are from Qatar 22? So how many of the top 10 youngest players to play in the World Cup ever, how many of them are from Qatar 2022? I'm going to say six. No, it's not six. Oh, okay. Um, do, you, do you want to guess again? Oh, uh, the way you said no would suggest I very much overstated that. So I'll go for three. Three is correct. Yeah! Second time um, well. So, do you know who they Any are? Or, or, or the countries they play for? Because to be fair, there are there are two of them that I've never heard of before, but they have been playing in this World Cup. So I think it's probably a bit harsh to expect you to guess them. But how about we try the countries? What, what do you think the what three countries are these players from? Hmm. I reckon one of them was probably for playing for Qatar. No, okay. not playing Qatar. I can help you to this extent. Uh, they're all out of the World Cup, so okay. they're they're not so, in the last. Well, there's there's four. only four teams left <laughs> out well, of thirty-two. I mean, let's narrow it down for you a little bit to was help the, you. Was the guy who scored the hat trick for Portugal? Was he one of them? No, he wasn't okay. one of them. Um, I'm not doing a very good job here, am I? Uh, no, not really. Costa Rica? No. Okay. I don't know them. I, I, no. I, I literally have no idea. I'm not um, sure if so that the, was clear. So the countries, it was quite clear. The countries <laughs> are um, Germany. Oh, really? Um, Australia. Oh, that makes sense. And Spain. So the only I one almost, of those... I almost said Spain. Almost. So the only one of those that I knew about was um, the Gavi who was playing for Spain this year, because he kind of, one of the games I watched, he sort of stood out as being very, very good. The two others, there's, and, and forgive my pronunciation, but for Australia, there was a, a gentleman called Garang Kual. Ah, for, yeah, of course. Yeah, he was. He's and for Germany, um, Yusufa Makoko. Yusufa um, Okay. Who are all just over the age of 18. Yeah. But I was asking you about the, top 10 youngest players. So I can help you to this extent. Um, Garan Kual, so Gavi um, is at number 10. Right. So he's the 10th youngest. Um, do you have a rough rough guess as to how old he is? That'll help you with the other ones, really. Is that the Australian? No, that's Gavi's the, the Spanish guy. Spanish guy. He So they're all over 18. He's probably like 18 years old and... 22, How many days? 22. No. Um, 18 years, 110 days when he played his first game. Then it's Yusufa Makoku, Makoko, who is uh, 18 years and three days. Wow. Um, and sorry, no, no, sorry. Then it was yeah. Kual, who was 18 years, 18 years and six, nine days. And it was uh, Makoku, who was 18 years and three days. Now, can you guess... So there's 17-year-olds playing in the World Cup. The top seven are all 17 years of wow. age. Wow. Cristiano Ronaldo? 
no, he's oh. not. But can can you um do you know who, who was the youngest player to play in the World Cup? He's from um a home nation. And well, that, he, well, well that must mean he's definitely not English. And he played in Spain 1982. When were you born, Adam? I was born in 87. Okay. Um, so it's probably gonna be a bit difficult to get. So he played for Northern Ireland. Do you know who it was? George played for Northern Ireland, played for George, Man United. George Best. No. Oh in 80, Dennis, 82. Dennis Law. No, eight eighty-two. I don't know. <laughs> You keep saying 82. Football in the 80s. I don't um, know. Um, I'm just thinking of very famous Northern Irish players. Uh, it was... Was Dennis Law even Northern Irish? No. George Best think so, was, but, though, wasn't he? But he... Um, they definitely weren't playing in the 82 World Cup. So the youngest player ever to play in the World Cup was Norman Whiteside, played for Northern Ireland. Right. 17 years and 40 isn't days. That, isn't that a killer song? I'm Mr. Whiteside. No, no, it's Mr. Brightside. God almighty, so down with the kids. Can you get <laughs> any of the others? Uh, well, if it's not Ronaldo and Messi, probably not. Um, I, would there are, would, there would are, Pele have been in that? Pele? He he would have been in the top 10 youngest players. Yeah. Um, and Bless him. Has he passed away now? Or he's not in a good way, is no, he? I, no, Hello. he's he's. I don't think he's passed away, but he's not obviously not very well. But mm. um, he's the fifth youngest player. He made his debut in 1958. Um, and June, he is also the fifth youngest player um, to score in the tournament's history, right. and he's the only player under 18 to have scored at the right. World Cup. How interesting. Um, yeah. So, and in that, he made that debut in the 1958 World Cup in Sweden. Um, how many goals do you think he scored in the 1958 World Cup? He was 17 years of age. Oh, uh, well, did they win that one? 58? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't he wasn't so. the top know. goal scorer. Okay. He probably scored like but six. He scored five goals. Oh, that was a close guess, wasn't it? He was the second top goal scorer at that World Cup, age just, 17 and a half. Just on that, England, yeah. aren't England the highest scoring team in the tournament so far with 12 goals or something? Um, they might be because it's not well, been now a they've big got 13, goal. haven't they? Because they scored today. Not big goal scoring. Um, That's why we went out. World Cup, really. That's why but, we went out because um, it was 13 goals. Um, but of the remaining uh one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, wow, this is this is a really interesting. So we've we've <laughs> dealt with the we've dealt with the I think we have uh, different definitions of really interesting, Ed. <laughs> obviously. obviously <laughs> excited about my fun facts, and you're less excited. But we've we've talked about Pele, uh, yeah. we've talked about Norman Whiteside, Mr. and we've talked about the three youngest players. Uh, from this year, yeah, the other five players are all made up of players from two countries Spain. I was gonna say, guess the continent they come from the consonant or the continent, continent, <laughs> uh, Europe, no, Africa, yes, yeah, 
Which two countries do you think they came from, the next five youngest players? Egypt? No. Big South footballing Africa, nations. South, uh, oh, okay. Big footballing nations. Morocco? Yeah. No. They're um, turning into one. Senegal. Ca- Cameroon. Oh, yeah. And Nigeria. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Although so you got Nigeria S- didn't make it this time, did they? No, Samueletto is second. Really? Um, Samueletto? Yeah. Samueletto wow. is the second. He, he made his debut in France in 1998. He was 17 years and 98 days. Wow. And then um, Rigobert Song is at number seven. He made his debut in um, USA in 1994. Right. And um, yeah, there we go. So that, that's those things. Next question. Who are the 10 oldest players to play at a World Cup? Um, and I know one of these. Um, oh, I one can of tell these you. was the goalkeeper. Was it Cheval for Paraguay? Was that his name? A Paraguayan. Um, or um, the Colombian centre-back. He was pretty old. Valderrama? Uh, no. Oh. I can tell you that... Um, at one, two, three, five of them, Arena. at least five of them, were goalkeepers, which isn't a yeah. huge surprise. Um, oh, and um, uh, one of them's one of the goalkeepers in it this year, wasn't he? Um, oh, which goalkeeper was it? Not Czech, not Larice. Uh, no. But no. um, one, two, yeah, four of them are from home nations goalkeepers. So Peter Shilton? Peter Shilton is number five. He was George. 40 years and 292 days when he played in Italian 90. George Banks? Um, no. Oh. Um, um, I don't know any other Scottish or Welsh you, players. Well, you 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 would actually because uh, David James played oh, in the wow. South African World Cup at Neville 39 Southall? years. No, Neville was not there. Oh, 39 and 330. Jim Layton of Scotland, when he played in France 98, was 39 years. Um, Pat Jennings, who yeah, played for course, Northern Ireland, when he played in the Mexico 86 World Cup, he was 41 years to the day. That was his 41st birthday. Wow. Um, and the only player that I can I re- whose name I recognize from the top 10 who was an outfield player was uh Roger Miller from Cameroon. Okay. Um, who was can you believe it? When he played in the USA World Cup in 1994, was 42 years old and wow. 39 days. I mean, that's well, they just... keep saying, don't they? Ronaldo and Messi might come back again, and that that would make them both pushing 40. Um, and so interestingly, um, Roger Miller is also the oldest player to ever have scored at World Cup. Huh? There you go. Um, now, quick question before we finish our fun facts for um, the night. Um, a record was broken this week uh, by a player who became the second oldest goal scorer at a World Cup. Who was that? Olivier Giroud. No, it was Pepe from uh, for Portugal. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, who, in the game against Switzerland, scored, and he is 39 years old and 283 days. 
And the third oldest player to have scored at a World Cup was also playing in this World Cup, and that is... You said his name about five times now, and every time you've been wrong. Let's try again. Uh, Lloris. Cristiano Ronaldo. Lloris <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hasn't scored a goal. <laughs> so you, you, you mentioned his name about seven times for all the categories, and when I then ask you about who's the <laughs> third oldest goal scorer, you went for the goalkeeper. <laughs> well, I was thinking own goals. Um, now, final thing, quickly, very quickly. I don't you know, clearly to, to... tell I'm more of a referee than a football fan, can't you, from these questions? Uh, you can indeed. So, I'm there aren't many people that scored hat tricks at World Cups, right? You know. Um, there, but... there's a few though, isn't there? Um, okay, who, who have scored uh hat tricks at this year's World Cup? Can you think of anybody? I think there's only been one person. Oh, it was the three. Portuguese guy, wasn't it? In the last it game, was Portuguese what was it? is his name James or Jesus or something? Gonzalo Ramos. Yeah, I was close. Who scored uh, a hat trick in the six-one defeat of Switzerland? Who scored? There were um, two players who scored hat tricks at the 2018 World Cup. Who, who were they? If you go for the old regulars, you're going to have a good chance there. Ronaldo. Ronaldo was one of them. He scored a hat-trick against Spain in the three-all draw. Um, and um, Hugo Lloris. <laughs> his, teammate, his teammate, Harry Kane. Uh, Harry Kane he got scored, hat-trick, He scored, yeah, in the 6-1 win over Panama. And just very right. quickly, before we yeah, finish, um, I'm going to give you some... You tell me when your World Cup memories fade, but uh, for the 2014 World Cup... What do you mean, memories fade? I don't remember the game we just watched. 2014 World Cup, there were two players who scored. I'm going to give you the countries, and then hopefully you'll be able to uh, have a good idea. 2014, uh, playing for Switzerland. Um, Xhaka. Any idea? Xhaka. Shakiri. Shakiri, um, yeah. Okay, that's what I meant, Shakiri. I had Shakiri in my head, the ex Stoke player. 2014, playing for Germany. Mm, it's nearly always Muller, isn't it, for Germany? It was Muller, correct. Yeah. Like if, if you um, I, I've learned if you ever ask me a question about Germany, if in just doubt say Muller. for the last sort of 12 years, say, just Muller. say Muller. Yeah. And then um yeah, I think we'll call it a day there because I think when we start going back to 2010, you know, you're going to... Oh, that was the um, South Africa World Cup. I remember that. That was the Vuvuzela one. Um, do you remember who scored a hat-trick in the those, that World Cup? What country was he from? Uh, he was from um, Argentina. Hernan Crespo. No, but not bad, Charles. It was Higuain. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Scored his uh, hat trick. So there we go. I mean, there I had all sorts of other World Cup facts, but I appreciate now that we've like probably, you know, lost every single tears. listener. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and Trying also, to fill time. <laughs> I've got to find some more bloody facts for next week's crappy law about um, the ball in or out of play. No, no, no. Like. Yeah. We, we can we can just use the fun facts to discuss the fun facts that are around that Japan decision, if you want. 
That sounds like a lot of fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the fun part of the fun facts is the jingle. Let's not, let's not forget that. No, I'll have some other World Cup facts for you next week, even though we're, we're out of it, but I'll have some more fun facts for you next Perfect. week. Perfect. Anyway, there we go. I think we probably rinsed this about as much as we could do. I think we We've did. We probably tested the patience of our listeners enough. It's, so, can, we, can we just put out an appeal? It is going to get better. We're getting close to things like offside and fouls and misconduct. I know exactly. Finally, close. some laws that there's something to talk about. I'm, su- than... I'm really surprised how long it's taken us to get there. Like, I didn't realize it was this droll up until like law 12 13. Yeah, it's 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 been a bit of a drag, isn't it, to get here? But there we go. We're, we're trying to make the best of it, trying Absolutely. to keep people entertained. Well, um, so there we go. Good luck tomorrow. What three yeah, things? What three things are you going to try and focus on in your game tomorrow? Um, not having a heart attack could be the first one. <laughs> Avoiding avoiding the penalty bites <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm trying to think what's my third. Uh, no, I'm, I'll, it'll be fun. It's good, good reintroduction to football after a long break tomorrow. So it'll be nice good. to be out about refereeing. Uh, won't be to any pressure on it. So it'll be nice. Be fun. Well, good there. luck. Yeah, that's all. Thank you, you very much. My um, pleasure. Good luck tomorrow. I look forward to the match report. There'll be a blow-by-blow account next week, don't worry. (laughs) Have a good week. You too. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Ciao. Au revoir. Bienvenue. (laughs) Avidacin. Bienvenue means welcome. Yes, I know. I know. Avidacin. The only reason I did that is because last week, Ed went, how many different languages can you say goodbye in? So I thought I'd add in a few more this week. Very good. I'm impressed. Konnichiwa. Right. Bye-bye. See ya. Au revoir. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Red or Yellow. You're clearly a very fit listener. May I gently remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends. And don't forget to please share it with any refereeing groups that you may have. Good luck on the fields out there this week. And if you have any questions, please make sure you send them in to us on social media. Voice notes or written questions would be brilliant. And we will, of course, include them in the podcast. Have the most wonderful day. Ciao, ciao.